Hi class, we're back. So we're still here in chapter 11 with nervous system physiology, and we've now made it down to threshold and the all or none phenomenon. So the depolarization must reach threshold values. And in case you've forgotten, it's approximately negative 55 millivolts to negative 50 millivolts. And it's, of course, that simply change of 15 to 20 millivolts from that resting membrane potential. So if an axon is to fire, it has to reach those threshold values. So the outward potassium movement is equal to the inward current of sodium movement. So if one more sodium enters class, depolarization occurs, opening more and more sodium channels. So if one or more potassium leaves, membrane potential is driven away from threshold, and of course those sodium channels close, and then more potassium channels open, getting us back to resting membrane potential. So an action potential is an all or none, or all or nothing phenomenon, meaning it either happen or it does not happen. So let's get down to propagation of an action potential. So, an action potential class must be propagated along the axon's entire length, meaning both those that are none and those that are myelinated. So, with this happening, what we have now, class, is that the action potential has to be generated by an influx of sodium through a given area of the membrane, and as that happens, it begins to establish the local currents that will depolarize adjacent membrane areas in the forward direction away from the origin of the nerve impulse, which of course opens voltage-gated channels and triggers an accident potential there. So if in fact class it's a non-myelinated neuron, of course it's going to be because the area where the action potential originated and just generated an action potential, the sodium channels in that area are inactivated, meaning no new action potential generated there. Hence, the action potential propagates away from its point of origin. So the action potential initiated at one end of an axon and conducted away from that point toward the axon's terminal. So once initiated, Action potentials are self-propagating and continues along the axon at a constant velocity. And of course, here it's slow, and it just happens as dominoes would on a table falling in sequence. So the presence of a myelin sheath dramatically increases the rate of action potential propagation. So let's find out what happens when things are myelinated, you all. So myelin, in case you've forgotten, is an insulator. It prevents almost all of the charge from leaking from the axon and allows the membrane voltage to change more rapidly. So the current, yes, I said the current can only pass through the membrane of a myelinated axon at myelin sheath gaps we refer to as nodes around VA. Those nodes around VA are where there is no myelin and the axon is bare. So nearly all voltage-gated sodium channels are concentrated in these gaps. And in case you're wondering, those gaps are about one millimeter in length. So the action potential that's generated, meaning action potential generated, the current moves rapidly to the next node of Rambier. 
where it triggers another one. So this movement class from node to node to node is referred to as saltatory conduction. So not dissipating through adjacent membrane areas as it happened with those non-minute axons. So these electrical signals jump from node to node third times faster than those that are non-myonated. Now let's get to those refractory periods. So there are two types, the absolute refractory period and the relative refractory period. The absolute refractory period is from the open sodium channels and to those sodium channels begin to reset to their original resting state. If you need help, look at figure 11.13. So it ensures each action potential is a separate, all or none, one-way transmission. The relative refractory period follows the absolute refractory period. So most sodium channels are in the resting state and some potassium channels still open for repolarization that's occurring. Threshold for an action potential class is substantially elevated. So a stimulus that would normally generate an action potential is no longer sufficient during this relative refractory period. Now, let's go to synapses and the way synapses transmit signals between neurons. So we have the chemical synapse. So at the chemical synapse, of course, an action potential arrives at the axon terminal beginning with neurotransmission. And of course, this will be at the presynaptic axon terminal. That's number one. Two, the voltage-gated Calcium channels open, and of course, calcium enters the axon terminal, giving us depolarization that opens sodium channels class and those voltage-gated calcium channels. So the calcium channels flood. The calcium channels allow calcium to flood down the electrochemical gradient from extracellular areas to the intracellular areas into the axon terminal. So the calcium entry causes those synaptic vesicles to release neurotransmitters via exocytosis giving us this surge. So this surge of calcium into the axon terminal acts as an intracellular messenger. And then the synaptic vesicles fuse with the axon membrane and empty contents via exocytosis into the synaptic cleft. So calcium is quickly removed from the terminal and is taken up via the mitochondria, or at least by mitochondria, and ejected from the neuron class via the calcium pump. At number four, the neurotransmitter diffuses across the synaptic cleft and binds to specific receptors on the postsynaptic membrane. Five, binding of the neurotransmitter class opens ion channels, creating greater potentials. Once the neurotransmitter binds to receptor proteins, the receptor changes shape, opening ion channels, creating greater potentials. So the postsynaptic membranes contain chemically gated ion channels and of course are packaged as receptor proteins and ion channels. So depending on the receptor protein to which the neurotransmitter binds, the postsynaptic neuron may, may be either excited or inhibited. Depending on the postsynaptic neuron, the neuron, of course, may be either excited or inhibited. So, number six, the neurotransmitter effects are terminated. So, when you have binding of the neurotransmitter to its receptor, is reversible as long as the neurotransmitter is bound to the postsynaptic receptor. A neurotransmitter continues to affect membrane permeability and block reception of additional signals 
from the precinct neurons. Hence, those effects typically last a few milliseconds before being terminated. So this happens in one of three ways. So it would be via, via reuptake, degradation, or diffusion. So if it's by reuptake, of course, the astrocytes or the presynaptic terminal is where it's stored, of course, or where it's destroyed. If it's via... And the one example that's reuptake in class is norepinephrine. If it's going to be degraded, of course, it's via enzymes associated with the postsynaptic membrane and the synaptic cleft. In that case, you know about acetylcholine. And then finally, class, it could very well just diffuse away from the synapse. This now completes threshold potential, including the all-or-none phenomenon, even to propagation of an action potential via those roads around the A, onto refractory periods, and then finally, class, the synapse. So from now, I would say study well and even practice writing because on the test you will be expected to explain the events occurring during a nerve impulse. If you need any help, let me know. Study well class and I'll see you later.